The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. We are in John chapter 6. Now, last week we went through a good portion of it, emphasizing particular part of that, where Jesus uses the metaphor of bread, food, that he's that, and the fact that his word over the miracles the people had seen, remember they'd, they'd seen him feed the 5,000, they'd seen him do, but they still didn't believe. And we're talking about it's the word of God that is sufficient to bring about belief. We don't need to see miracles. Okay, I'm not saying there aren't miracles. I'm just saying we didn't need to see them. That's where we went last week. But just to show you, you want to bring up that picture up on the screen back there? You see all that? There's so much meat in John 6. There's just so much that those who are there Wednesday night understand that as what's called inductive Bible study. But I do that when I prepare sermons. I'm looking for repetitive words. I'm looking for themes. I'm looking, I want to make sure that the text is telling me what the preach, that I'm not trying to put that on the text. We can close that. There's just so much here. So, so we've been in John 6 for several weeks just because there's so much there. And one of those things we talked about last week. And we talked about when Jesus said, when you eat my flesh... He's not talking about his body and how the early church was accused of cannibalism. They didn't understand that Jesus is giving a metaphor of bread, that he's the bread of life, and they eat his flesh. Eat was a synonym, therefore, to come to him or to believe in him. I hope you remember that. Okay, if you don't get that, you get in what's, what's called the doctrine of transubstantiation. There is a particular group of people that when you take communion, you are literally eating the blood or drinking the blood and eating the blood of Christ, and eating his body. They don't understand, I guess, figures of speech or metaphors. But today, there were some particular parts of the text that I, I, I sort of blew by because I knew there was some other meat there, and I didn't want to mix that, if you will, with what we were talking about last week or the week before or the week before. So this week, it's a little more uh, heady. Okay, a little more uh, academic approach, and you'll have to forgive me, because Sundays I prefer to preach than teach, teaching what we do on Wednesday night. But, but I can't help but do that as we look at what we're doing here. So today, we will look at some select verses. I've already given you context, so I'm not pulling them out of context. We've had the context now for weeks. We'll be looking at verse 29, 36 through 45, and 63 through 65. And as, as we go break these down, we'll, we'll talk about its context again and refresh a little bit. So again, we're in John chapter 6, starting in verse 29, then verse 36 through 45, and then 63 through 65. Please stand when you're there. It is our tradition to... I don't know why you all wait for me to say that. You're, I can see you just sitting there. Okay, when's he going to say stand? <laughs> okay. So verse 29, and Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Now down to verse 36. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up in the last day. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they were saying, is this not, is this not, or is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who, were, who they were who would not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he was, and he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him from the Father. You may be seated. Now, when you saw that Word document up there and you saw these highlights and marks and colors, so one of the things I do, so for example, every time Jesus speaks of himself, I would highlight that in one particular color. Every time it speaks about God the Father, I I might highlight that in another color and so on. Okay, that's what you're seeing up there on the screen. So one of the things we know from the context, that metaphor of the idea of bread or that manna from heaven, that that comes 19 times in the passage once he starts talking about bread, about, about, um, I think it's verse 26. But that's not the main point. And I think you heard it in this parochopy, this section here. Jesus uses the personal pronoun 48 times times from verse 29 down i me my mine myself so what's the focus jesus is the focus just making that clear all right god the father 23 times the two main used phrases ideas concepts whatever you want to call it are jesus the son and the father who sent him then the next most used concept is the concept of believing with its synonyms. For example, all who come to me will not hunger and all who believe in me will never thirst. So come to me and believe in me are used synonymously there. As long as the word eat, those who eat of me, he doesn't mean literally, those who come to me and believe 22 times. Life, and particular life everlasting, 16 times. So let me get this right. Jesus, God the Father, believing in eternal life. You you see that? Those are the main themes in the process. So 
if I could say it like this, I'm going to give it two ways that I, if I was going to give a title to all this. God's election of believers to eternal life. That's a pretty short version. Another version, eternal life is granted to those whom the Father has given to the Son. And those are almost right out of the text. So like I usually do, we're going to go verse by verse. Okay? Verse 29, and Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He sent. Who is they? That is the crowd He's talking to. All right? And He's saying to them, they had thought that, that you know, Moses had brought this man out of heaven, and Jesus says, no, God did that. This true bread, He's this true bread that gives life. He says, I am the bread. Then He said this in, in verse 36, But I say to you, you say to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. They had asked, wait a minute, I saw this, what you did. You say you're the one that's sent from heaven. That's the problem they have down in verse 36 or 63 when he says, how, how can you say you're the one that is sent from heaven? We, we, we know your mom and pop right here, you know. I, how can you say you're from heaven? And then he, they ask him to prove it. What work would he do to prove this? And Jesus says, wait a minute, the work of God is this, that you believe. That, that's what God's work is. And he says, then you've seen already and you still don't believe. The logical conclusion, if you don't believe, it's the work of God that you believe and you don't believe. The obvious conclusion is God hasn't done that work in you. That is the crowd to whom he's speaking. So you've seen, but, but you don't believe. All right. But on the other hand, in verse 37, he, he sort of gives the contra to that. All that the Father gives me will come. Now look, you don't believe, even though you've seen. It's the work of God the Father that you believe. And all the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. I'm going to break this down a little bit. And the word all. All the Father gives me. In Greek, which the New Testament is and in English, okay, the word all can be inclusive or exclusive. We, we don't think of the word being all being exclusive, but let's talk about that first. Exclusive, that is all things in a particular category. All right? All those things, all those are bad. All what? You have to find out the context. That I'm, I'm not talking about everything on the planet, everything that is. I'm talking about something it could be all the grapes in the refrigerator have gone bad. You see what I'm saying? That's categorized. Okay? And I'm sure you've done that before. Oh, all the eggs are bad or whatever it is in the fridge. So even though you say that, it could be a category. All right? All murderers are bad. I'm categorized. It doesn't mean every person. Okay? This is the overwhelming use of the way we use the word all in English. It's the overwhelming way it's used in Scripture. Man, we had a party last night and everybody was there. Everybody on the whole planet? Wow, you must have a big house. No, we, we know everybody who? Everybody within a certain group. So it is exclusive, even though we use the word all. And in that sense, when we use it like that, we're using it hyperbolically, as a hyperbole. We see that, for example, in Mark uh, 1.5, it says that all of Judea was going out to him, John the Baptist. 
and all the people of Jerusalem. Really, there was nobody left in Jerusalem. Everybody left. There was nobody else in Judea just out there with John the Baptist. It's used hyperbolically. We often use it the same way. Okay? A good one you might be more well aware of is in Luke. When Caesar takes a census of the whole world, all the earth. Really? I, I didn't know Caesar took a census down in South America, Australia. No, it's speaking of a particular, it's exclusive. That is, all the earth that was ruled by Caesar. Do you see what I'm saying? You hear this, and I hear preachers do this. Well, all means all. Yeah, but not inclusively most of the time. Okay? So even when we use it inclusive of everything, it's usually even then exclusive. So what we mean is, all animals, all, the Bible says all nations, means all people groups. All right? Um, so in people groups, you can have a people group but that are multiple countries. So it's all people groups. When he, when he might speak of all humans, that is all mankind. But that's not all humans and all animals and all plants. Even when he says all, it's all people, not all animals, not all plants, not all... Okay, non-living matter, even then it is exclusive. I think this is important for you to understand. Okay, because too often I think we see Scripture and it says all. All these things will be added unto you. It's a famous Scripture. So we tend to think all means everything we want. In this case, the all is qualified by this. All who the Father has given me. Right? It's already categorized for us. We don't have to wonder. Now, the verb gives, and forgive me, I know some of you don't like this, but, but I have to go there, is in the present active indicative. And you go, who cares? I understand. But present is a continuous, that is, gave and continues to give. It is the subject active. It's God's doing the giving. Not that which is given has anything to do with it. The action is performed by the Father. And the indicative, it's a certain fact. God has given, continues to give, and only God's doing the giving, and it's a certain fact that He has given to the Son. Those. Okay? God decides who they are, who these ones are, that are given to the Son. They're a gift given to Jesus, the Son. God's the one who determines that. He's the active person. He's the one that does it, and it's fact. Okay? Now, I want to point out that the all here that is given to him, some argue, are the 12 disciples or apostles. They just need to continue to read because when you get down in 63 down, he, when he's talking about the 12, he actually says that. John, which disciples? The 12. He actually talks about them particularly there. Okay? So all these that the Father decides on and gives to the Son will come to him. Okay, again, sorry, future 
indicative, active. Indicative mood is this. Certainty, fact, without doubt. All that the Father decides to give to the Son will, without doubt, as a fact, will come. There's none left out whom the Father gives to the Son that will not come. There aren't any. Okay? And again, come to is used synonymously in the passage, which believes in. Okay? So, so the one who comes to Christ, we would refer to as that person who is born again. That's a believer, a Christian, whatever term you want to use there. Okay? But in the first part, all that, not all who, all that, it's neuter. But Jesus then defines it, the one who, who, they'll come. All who will come. So we now we know that the that is a person. Okay? Every individual who the Father has decided to give the Son will believe, will come to Him, will be born again. All right? And, Jesus says, I will certainly not cast out. What's interesting here is the double use of words here. Okay? I will certainly not, I will know not, literally in the Greek, I will know, N-O, not, two negatives in a row, it's called the emphatic negative or the absolute negative. Okay? And, it's, and he does what's called a litotis, in a, it's a use of speech. It, it basically means that you affirm a positive okay, by negating its opposite. So, so he's saying using this double negative, he's affirming the positive. And um, you, I think you can get it. But not, no not, cast out. Really, it's, it's cast out out. You, you could see it, exo is the word in, in Greek. They don't show, because that just confuses us. Okay? I will, no not, cast out, out. What? You've got to understand, in Greek, Hebrew as well, that double is for emphasis. It's a double negative and a double out. He wants to make sure, that's why we have the word in English, certainly. Okay? He, he's emphasizing that this is absolutely so. It is not possible for the Son to cast them out. That's the point he's making. He's promising that all the Father gives him, he will accept, receive, and never know. A matter of fact, uh, a Greek guy that I watch and listen to, and I know you think that sounds boring, and I understand that. He, he translates this, Never, ever. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates this, never. Okay? All that the Father's given, He will never, eternally, never cast out. You can count on it. It's a promise. It's certain. Okay? Verse 38. For I have come down out of heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So the word for, or word because, 
is what's translated in some versions, explains why it's impossible for Christ to cast anyone that's given to him, why he can't cast him out. Let me explain why that's not possible. Because I came to do the Father's will. Okay, so what's the Father's will? I, I don't know about you, but that's the next question. So okay, uh, so verse 39 says, this is the will of him who sent me. Now look, at the reason it's impossible for me to cast out, to get rid of, to throw out, anyone the Father gives me, he's decided to give me, okay, that will, will come to me. I can't cast him out because I do the will of the Father. This is his will. That all that he has given me, that of all that he has given me, again, all qualifies those who are given, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. He's doing what he did for it. He's using the neuter here, okay? But in the next verse, he explains this is people. Now watch this. This is the will of the Father. The reason I can't cast any of them out, it's not possible. The Father gives people to me. Those he gives will come. Those who come will never be cast out because it's God's will that I lose none that he gave me. Follow me. If Christ loses just one, he is not doing the will of the Father and is therefore a sinner. Another reason we know this is not talking about the 12, because one of them is lost. They were never given anyway. You'll find that out pat further down, Okay. But you've got to understand, if one person that's been given to the Father, that will come, actually came, Jesus will lose none of them because it's the Father's will that he loses none of them. Clear? I, I think it's pretty explicit. I, we don't have to break it down too much. All right? So he goes, for this is the will of the Father. Now, here the word for is the word, Greek word gar. So let me explain further. It's used in the epigetical sense. Okay, uh, further the will of the Father. Here's one. Let me let me give you a little more detail. This is the will of the Father that everyone who beholds the Son. What does the word "behold" mean? See. Now remember, you've seen me and don't believe, because it's the work of the Father that you believe. So wait a minute, now he's talking to those who do see, really see him and believe in him. Will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up in the last day. Let's jump back. Okay? All that he, the Father, has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up in the last day. Now he goes here. All who, not it, not nothing, but all who, who sees the Son and believes in Him, will have eternal life. Now let's get real. If Jesus would lose one, would the life given to that person be eternal? No, He is the bread of life. He is the life eternal. It's been given to Him. And I myself will raise Him up in the last day. That phrase is in here four times. Why would He put that in there? Because raise him up in the last days. That whoever these people are, 
are his until he raises them from the dead. That means from the time they're given to him by the Father, they stay his even to the point where eventually he raises them from the dead. He wanted to make sure you understand this idea. He puts it in there four times. Okay? Then it says that the people grumbled against Jesus because they said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're, you're saying all this stuff that uh, you're, you're from heaven and, and, and you'll raise them up in the last... Wait a minute. You're a guy like us. We know your parents. They're still stuck on what they see with their physical eyes. Do we not know Mary and Joseph? Have we not seen his mom? Seen his dad? We know he has brothers and sisters because the Bible tells us that as well. We've seen them. Yeah, you, you guys are still thinking physical bread. You guys are still thinking it's the physical. Because God hasn't worked in you, believe. That's all you can see. So, Gets down to verse 44. Look. No one can come to me, believe in me, be given to me, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And you've heard me talk about this. You can look it up for yourself. Don't believe me. The word draw is the word to drag. And I will raise him up in the last day. You, you, guys, you guys aren't getting it. I, I know you're, you're just looking at, my, at Mary and Joseph and you can't see it. Why? Because the Father hasn't drawn you, haven't drugged you to me yet. No one can. That speaks to ability. It doesn't speak to choice. It speaks to ability. No one can. Not no one will. No one can. All right? Come to Him. Believe in Him. Unless. Now that unless appears three times in this passage. But the most significant one is in verse 65. So, unless the Father draws him, now in verse 65, unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Two different aspects of it there. I want you to understand, Jesus gives this idea. Now, this is about the Jews in particular. But if God does it with Jews, he can do it with anybody else. Okay, and in Romans chapter 9 Paul deals with the idea of oh, those of you that might think this is unfair. In, in Mark 4, 11 through 12, the disciples have asked him, why do you speak in parables? And here's Jesus' answer. To you, the, his 12 disciples, it has been, given, has been given the mystery of the kingdom, but to those outside, they get everything in parables so that now, he's telling the reason that they, and he quotes scripture, while seeing, they may see and do not perceive. While hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. I'm speaking in a way to make sure they don't get it. Wait a minute, that's not fair. For some reason, we think God's obligated, or at least Christ is obligated for some reason to make sure the wicked get it. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. 
Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.